Hey, welcome to the Junto Show. I'm Lance, and I'm woke with jokes. That's it? Who waited that long for that? No, nah, I was going to say, I'm Lance, and I had nothing to do with Russia helping me get elected. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Johnny. I'm always positive and productive, and that's because I read TheVentureOut.com. The VentureOut. And I'm Bo, a noiseless patient spider. I marked where on a little promontory it stood isolated, marked how to explore the vacant, vast surrounding. It launched forth filament, filament, filament out of itself, ever unreeling them ever tirelessly speeding them and that is uh, a little poem by walt whitman called mm-hmm. a noiseless patient spider and i say that because today is walt whitman's birthday oh happy birthday to uh, walt uh, whitman yeah, he was born in 1819 so 1819 so, oh so he, he'd be 100 is that how it works uh, 200 200 yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man i guess i didn't realize he was that old boy he's old. his <laughs> pictures look old yeah, well, you know Whit- you know Whitman like that. I don't think I know. I know I know he is a yeah. famous writer, dude. I don't know. Yes, but I did a book, I did a whole report on that guy. Oh, what's his most famous work? I don't know. <laughs> Leaves of uh, something, I think. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. you big Whit- Whitman fan, Bo? Uh, no. Me and him share birthdays. So. Uh okay. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, oh. wait a minute. Does that mean that it is in fact is it your two hundredth birthday <gasps> too, Bo? <laughs> Cue the music, Lance. <laughs> it's also uh, so, Colin Farrell's birthday. Ah. and um, Walt Whitman. Hey, wow. Johnny, does anybody share, famous share your birthday? I'm sure they do. <laughs> oh, wait, your birthday's a, it's a holiday, isn't it? It's a holiday. It's yes. where we uh, remember what the veterans did for our country. There you go. There you go. My birthday is uh, nothing special. It's too late in Christmas break to to get Christmas presents and too early to celebrate in school because uh, we're still on, on break, so <laughs> it's us. <laughs> it's cold. All right. I'm a Capricorn. All right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, ladies. All right, so let's see. We're here. You guys got anything you want to bring up here in the uh, you know, meantime, in between time, before we get into the topics? Yeah, I'm just getting over this little uh, cough thing here, man. I've been loading up on drugs trying to trying to squash this thing. A little CBD oil? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. <laughs> CBD, Advil, Allegra, uh, Mucinex, uh, diarrhea medicine, whatever it takes. All right. All I right. feel like that's hopefully not throat related, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> however you got to get there, buddy, far be it for me. To uh to judge there. All right, so uh, <laughs> who are we? What do we do here? That's right. We are the Junto Show, and the Junto is a club Benjamin Franklin founded way back when America was great. The purpose of the Junto was to debate questions of morals, politics, and natural philosophy. Our show is not quite that stuffy, but here and there we stumble upon something profound between the geeky jokes. So Johnny, tell our uh, beautiful listeners what you got to tell them. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell them something. Let's okay. <laughs> So y'all should uh, maybe go visit patreon.com slash junto show. No maybe about it. It's a it, must. It's a place where we ask for a little bit of donation to help uh, feed us. A dollar a day gives bow shoes. Um, Keeps me fresh with gruel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, helps uh, save me from uh, going out to the rice paddies. <laughs> yeah, so uh, included in your Patreon membership to the Junto Show, you get access to special premium content, including today's premium episode in which we talked about the what? What did we talk about, Johnny? I guess we, uh, we talked about like what was uh, the most important news of the month, and I think we revolved around what's the appropriate strategy that Nancy Pelosi should be executing on. Yeah. So you want to find out what we think about that strategy? Regarding whether or not uh, impeachment should be a thing that we're working towards or not. So a lot of uh, in-depth junto analysis on the political situation in the country. So if you're into that type of thing, I recommend 
and you sign up for the Junto Show Premium. All right, so we're going to get things started with our first segment, Hot Take News. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. First thing we got here is uh, the European election, the European Union elections just happened. You guys uh, hear anything about this? Not too much, actually. The European election? Yeah, so apparently there's a like a European Union parliament that uh, is separate from all of the individual countries mm-hmm. that kind of governs the mm-hmm. union itself. Mm-hmm. And so the my thought going into it was that it was going to be a lot of these uh, right-wing nutjob guys, uh, the Brexit-type people, were going to, to take hold of the European parliament. But it turns out they did win some, but also the far left won some as well. So what really happened was a hollowing out of the middle of the ideological spectrum Oof, in the uh, the European Parliament. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like every time there's a crazy thing or person on the ballot, like that is the thing that wins. It's just the most extreme candidate. So be- besides the EU Union itself, the other major news as far as uh, major leadership change, right? So you got uh, was it Theresa May saying? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's right. stepping down yeah. because her Brexit uh, deal fell, and it'd be kind of. They're kind of scared who the leading candidate is right now for that. So it's, a, it's their Trump, isn't it? The guy with the crazy hair? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Boris, uh, yeah. Boris Johnson? Something like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened. And then the Austrian government, with all those tapes leaked, showing how there was like a clear collusion. No, collusion is the wrong word, but... Uh, it's the yeah. right word. Huh? It's the right word. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, but <laughs> like showing how the uh, top officials in the Austrian government were making deals with Russia... Um. So all those people, I think, stepped down as well. Yeah, so I saw a headline. It was like the the Austrian government has been dissolved. And I was yeah. like, well, what does that mean? That's major news. Yeah. I mean, just showing how like Russia has infiltrated so much over there. Mm-hmm. Then Over there. And then you've got uh, Israel with uh, Netanyahu, yep. right? He couldn't form his uh, government in time. So now they got to do a snap election again. So no guarantee he would win the election again, mm-hmm. right? Which would be a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> He's been in power exactly. how long? 20 years uh, something like that, yeah. yeah a long time. Yep. And then the uh, the EU uh, audit or report came out on Turkey because Turkey, I guess, wants to join the EU for the longest time now. It was like scathing. So no chance of the Turkey. Is Turkey uh, even in Europe? I would have guessed Turkey was Asia. I'm slow, though. Let's well, lump that into Europe. <laughs> okay, all right. And I actually, think, I think they call Turkey like, you know, a, a specific part of Asia or something like that. Actually, like it crosses Asia both. Minor Istanbul actually has both continents. Yeah. Yeah, you look across the the river there. One size Asia, one size Europe. Actually, who's going to show a surprising amount of continental uh, placement discussions? <laughs> <laughs> and that's your profound information for today. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it's uh, I don't know this this rise of global right wing political leadership is uh, it's concerning. It's uh, I don't know. Is this still on the rise or has yeah. it tapered off now? I feel like it's tapering uh, you're off. You're going to see the left, the left leaning candidates kind of come out. Cool. I would say that I think. It, we're probably on one of those deals where like it's a it's a crazy spike like stock market, but it's been going up for the last fifty years. But it kind of goes up and down. So like mm-hmm. we might be at maybe one of those small spikes down, but I think we're still probably on the way up. We'll see. It's of like, conservatism or of, of conservatism, right wing stuff going up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the last few like that Yahoo one. He's pretty far right wing. Bolsonaro in Brazil. Um, there's some type of fat Modi. like straight, Modi yeah Modi just won in India. Yep. He's pretty far right. Uh, straight up fascist in Hungary, that dude. I want to say France is uh, about to... Didn't they lose something or something like that? No. Macron's uh, still there, right? Yeah, you, got, uh, still there. you got Trudeau. You got uh, Merkel who won her piece. Yep. Uh, you got the... Uh, I think the guy the, in Brazil, that's... He's pretty far right. Yeah, he's... Yeah. yeah so, like, uh, I think worldwide, there's a lot of heavy-hitting countries that are still pretty pretty far right. It's actually like newly elected people. That's nice where the trend is. Yeah, okay. All right. 
Next. All right, so let's see. Oh, but also European uh, Union, they had a record turnout. So I think what probably it was probably a wave of crazy right wing people, but then also a big wave of uh, regular and left wing people. <laughs> crazy left wing people, do you <laughs> yeah. mean? That um, fair and balanced we are. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no it, it was three. It was three categories: crazy right wing people, uh, fair people, and then left people. Is it was three, well, three, three things? But yes, a crazy right, middle people, and then crazy left. I don't think we're left as crazy. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, but uh, so yeah, high turnout. I think is what stopped them from going uh, super crazy far yeah. right. And I don't think you think. I think they're. Every time they win, uh, whoever has the majority is kind of gets to set up their own prime minister and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know how parliament works, and but something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think uh, they don't they they don't have enough votes to like uh, to form to a coalition yeah, form or a, a government. Yeah. yeah, I saw a thing where it's like you would think that it was like that the far right and the regular in the center right would combine, but they, the, I saw something that was like it was saying the far right, the far left might combine. Man, well, <laughs> I, like, I mean, what? all they gotta do is listen to our captain's ra- captain's radio room segment on how to build a good coalition. Yeah, right. And okay. then they're in there, like swimwear. All right, uh, next topic. So uh, have you guys heard that there's the Trump administration has proposed adding a citizenship question to the 10-year census? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's in the courts, right? It's going yeah. to the Supreme Court, right? The Supreme Court's going to rule. I think they've already heard their arguments on it, and they're going to rule on it very soon. Yeah, so, so um, the Trump administration argues that they want to add a question about whether or not every person they're counting on the census is a United States citizen so that it can improperly enforce the Voting Rights Act, which, as anybody that's paying attention knows, the Trump administration cares very much about enforcing the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. <laughs> so if it was another administration, I probably wouldn't think the same. But, you know. So prediction, is the Supreme Court going to allow the citizen question or not? For sure. I think they'll allow it. Yeah, sure. I think so. I think they will allow it. So it uh, not sound like you guys heard the news about this particular topic. So the news is, is that... Um, there was this guy, uh, I think his name was like uh, Holford or something like that. Uh, he was a, the Republican or conservative, whatever, architect of a lot of the gerrymandering that went on around in the country. Oh, and he died and his daughter got it. Stuff, he right? died <laughs> and his daughter got his hard drive. And on his hard drive was all these memos saying that we are trying to get the citizenship question added to the census so that we can, <clears throat> excuse me, and I quote, create a structural electoral advantage for Republicans and non-Hispanic whites. And so there was a, uh, a, a lawsuit filed to kind of get this information added to the the brief. I don't know if it was for the Supreme Court brief or not, but it's being litigated through the courts. And so on its face, the Trump administration's st- stated goal of enforcing the, the Voting Rights Act, which you know obviously was a lie, yeah. has now been belied by the fact that the dude that's doing it said, mm-hmm. I'm trying to help white people. So... Um, also, I still think that the Supreme Court is not going to care. It won't change anything, and they're going to still add that to the census and uh, destroy the country. <laughs> All right. In uh, other happy news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hot take news, my favorite segment where I get depressed. Uh, well, so this stuff is just happening out there, and I don't think people are learning about it. So the the fallout from the, cens- the citizenship question on the census is humongous. So what will happen if you only count white people or uh, non – if you don't count – non-citizens in your count so a state like california where they have millions of non-citizens for example if you then all of a sudden one the constitution says count everybody that's in the state it doesn't say count only it says count everybody in the in the country so if you don't count millions of people then you don't get the funding that you're the federal funding for your state you'll be millions of people less you'll also get uh you might lose representation you might lose up to three electoral college votes or three of your um House members, if you your population oh, is lower, I understand the ramifications. Yeah, so it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It is a huge deal, especially in these close presidential elections that we have. So, like this thing is 
a literally a way to skew the election for quote Republicans and non-Hispanic whites. So uh, I don't know, fight it, call your service. <laughs> but right. there's nothing you can do too, which is the sad part. But you should know. Yeah, about I'll it. probably go turn on Netflix later. Well, you should know about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, next segment. I mean, next uh, topic: Apocalypse. How citrus farmers who are facing a deadly bacteria are turning to antibiotics, alarming health officials. So, um, the citrus greening, right? That's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the citrus greening. Yeah. So, in, in Florida, you know, we're in Florida. Uh, one of the big crops out of Florida is oranges and grapefruits. And the, the citrus industry. The citrus industry. Yeah. Uh, there is a disease that is affecting the fruit here called the greening disease. It makes your fruit real sour. And so, uh, to fight that, to come back, and it's, I, I looked at the numbers, and it was like in 1997 or something like that, the, there was 250 million boxes the box is like 90 pounds of oranges boxes of oranges produced 250 million and now in 2017 it was 50 million like the the plot of how much produce has been lost in maybe not only to this but due to, due to stuff overall it, it was just like a, a drop off a crazy drop off yeah i think i think there's more to that brazil is a huge producer of oranges they produce more oranges than than florida than than all the united states i think yeah. and it's more of kind of their uh how their whole how their country is built because they're wide in the growing region whereas mm-hmm. florida's in there a little plain, so. oh okay well, that's interesting so the, so the issue and also with tomatoes too tomatoes. <laughs> the things you know and don't know bo is uh <laughs> i love it <laughs> okay. so the issue though is that concerns me and that's why it's in the apocalypse how segment okay. is that in order to try to fight the greening disease that's affecting the produce here in florida they're turning to antibiotics then they're giving those to the plants and the thing with the antibiotics, when you start using them like that, is you build up a res- the bacteria builds up a resistance, then you end up with these superbugs, s- mutated right. superbugs that you can't kill. Then they hop on over from the fruit to the people, and you end up with all kind of crazy stuff, and it's a zombie you're apocalypse. Get, you're <laughs> a tree mercer. <laughs> yeah, right. You bite into an orange, like, oh. uh, and now you're a zombie. <laughs> so yeah, so um, it's a uh, somebody called Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Well, it can't have a ice zombie in Florida, so you'd be, it's more like a regular zombie until they start growing apples. Somebody in. called Rick Grimes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Carl! So you haven't been watching the show lately. Uh, so Brazil <laughs> actually banned the process of using these antibiotics for their uh, produce years ago, yeah. and, and their production numbers are, are good. And then, and then also the article was like, it's not even very effective. It, there's no like proof that it works. It's just anecdotal proof. The farmer who used them was like, my fruit went from having pneumonia to having a cold. I was like, I don't know. What? Yeah. It was it's like, so they're putting the, the hum, all of humanity at risk. I think right now it said it's like tens of thousands of people die from superbugs in a year. Oh, and if, I don't think they're putting humanity at risk at all. What? No, this is, this is, so of the like 10 things I think will end humanity, this mutated superbug thing is high on my list. Yeah, but I've never gotten outside and was like, you know, oh, I caught um, tree gonorrhea by hugging a tree or something. You know? Well. But he had to win the hug the tree. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I was one, like, you're not hugging him, right? <laughs> and and two, the, the, it's that was a, that yeah, was that, a bad that, metaphor. And, and that's, <laughs> no, that's because tree gonorrhea one is treatable right now because the antibiotics still work. <laughs> the problem is, is that tree gonorrhea will uh, mutate, and then once you go into the woods and come back from your camping trip, you're going to get something you can't cure. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, okay, you know, all the diseases that that transfer from one animal to the next i've never heard of anything transferring from a plant to a, a person like i have allergies from plants i don't know if that counts but yeah well so so um if if you give if i think the real thing though is if you give these trees antibiotics what's going to happen is the superbugs going to go and they're going to kill all the trees right it's mm-hmm. not going to kill people and i think you know this thing has uh been uh fixed in the past 
by introducing new plant species or diversifying your plants. So if, if the orange industry uh, plants only a certain type of orange that is specifically affected by greening, then that's a problem. But if they start, you know, doing the different types of citrus uh, fruits that aren't as affected by greening, mm-hmm. that's really probably the, the solution. That probably, gonna probably was it honeydew? Probably wouldn't be affected too much, or is it? A, yeah, like I don't know. Some <laughs> what's that fruit that's already green? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's green. <laughs> no, that's not honeydew. It's um that one that nobody likes. I uh, guess water. Nah, it's Honeydew's brother. Honeydew's orange. Watermelon. No, Water. Honeydew's orange. Like on a fruit platter, <laughs> nobody ever eats these two Winter, fruit. winter <laughs> no, melon. You got it right. Honeydew's the green. Cantaloupe. Honey, cantaloupe, yeah. Cantaloupe's orange. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. I used to work at a, uh, at a yeah. banquet hall, and we would always put Honeydew and cantaloupe on. Yeah, nobody likes them. And nobody ever ate them. I was like, we're just wasting money. This is just cheap. double up on pineapple. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. So what else do you do to your trees, Bo? <laughs> oh, you know. you know. No, I don't know. Little this fine dining. Like, this is why I like go camping so much. <laughs> once you, once you get, get over six three, <laughs> then I guess the only people you're compatible with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just planted some avocado trees. Uh, yeah, I heard it takes ten years for those to grow. Uh, not with me. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make sure they're make, make sure they're at least eighteen years old, man. Yeah. Well, there. This one's already four, right? So. Okay. There you go. Oh, this is tree. This turn. <laughs> Next topic. Next topic. It's tree years, man. That's, yeah. Come on. He's a little little tiny tree. Hey, plant. man. Once it, once the rings are popping. <laughs> I don't know. That's ridiculous. Uh, oh, but what they're also talking about doing, just to finish that out, is uh, using the old CRISPR to, geneti- to genetically modify the oranges and make them GMOs to make mm-hmm. them immune. Man, Whatever. Uh, I don't have any kids. <laughs> well, that's going to be how they get you. Okay. All right. Let's see. So, last topic here before the good news. Have you heard about the people uh, climbing Mount Everest? And, yeah, that's uh, pretty sad. And dying left and right out there? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. One, so I'm hearing about these people just dying. put an escalator. <laughs> that's what it looked like though have you have you seen the pictures yeah, it's ridiculous man. It, it was so apparently the issue is that there's so many people climbing mount everest i guess spring is the only time where it's really accessible and then uh the so i guess you can reach mount everest from china and from nepal and i guess nepal is a developing country the economy is uh not where it should be china <clears throat> china limits theirs even more so yeah, uh, and, you did, uh, and it's not china it's tibet oh shoot i probably was on some website <laughs> I, I've been on the other side, on, on the Tibet, t- Tibetan side. You start off way higher. You actually start off, you can drive all the way up to what is the equivalent of the base camp side on the uh, Nepal side. I worked. Did you, were you yeah. close to Everest when you were in Tibet? Yeah, I saw it. Right? I was at the equivalent on the other side. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I realized yeah. that. I Just drove, drove right up to it. Then uh, I skipped the whole 10 days hike all the way up to the uh, base camp side on the Nepal. So, so you Nepal on a car, or so I guess probably SUV, drove up Mount Everest mm-hmm. to a point that these guys are climbing and dying? No, no. The people climbing and dying have made it to the summit. Okay, so twice as far as you, or have it, or or like? I think almost twice, almost twice as tall. I mean, this is where airlines fly. Oh, right? wow. that's how high up they are, right? Mm-hmm. So they they hike all the way up there. They're pa- well past the death zone, which is if we get a hundred percent of the oxygen levels here at sea level, they don't get thirty percent of it at that at that zone way up there, right? Ooh. So yeah. stay too long in there, you die, and that's the problem. They're waiting in line so long to get up to the top. And then most of people would die on the way down because now you got to hike all the way back down, and that by that point you're exhausted. You've spent so much time in the death zone, and apparently you're, you're carrying an oxygen tank up there too. Even that because too. you can't breathe, and then like it runs out because you're waiting so long in line. Not everybody needs that, but yeah. it's up to there, take your yes. selfie. I say get a yeah. sled, just right down, or a parachute. It's like Ugh, yeah, I'm dying of breath, and they just like have somebody push you over. And <laughs> There's then fissures, man. Yeah, but it's not like a cliff. I mean, you, you're like okay. Parachute and then you jump and you land like ten feet down. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> you're like ah, you're just, you do the old Homer Simpson in the, yeah. <laughs> in the Springfield Gulch. Yeah, so it's, it's sad. So um, do they do they leave the bodies up there? Yeah, 
Okay. Most of the time, because it's too hard. Because once your body freezes, you're like a bag of water, basically. So asking Sherpas to carry down a, a weight that's so heavy like that, it's just a waste. And they themselves are in the death, death zone too, so obviously. So you can't risk that. Yeah, they were saying that like when it thaws out in the, in the uh, spring, bodies like yeah. uh, get v- more visible. It was some horror yeah. stories. So uh, how many people do you think have climbed Mount Everest in history? Oh, uh, we're talking like thousands. Like a hundred thousand. Like, uh, is, is it a thing in in all of human history? We've had all of human history. billions of people. That, you know, I don't think mm-hmm. you're old uh, that we know of recorded history or whatever. Billions of people. So, like, these people are risking their lives. So, I don't and, think and, and I paying, don't think that billions of people throughout of all of history. I don't know if that's accurate. I would say, yeah, for sure. There's billions of people right now. Yeah, there's billions of people right now. But they, but if you take all the people right now, I think that's more than all the people that have ever lived. It's definitely been two billion people. Maybe right. not five. It's been two billion people though. That have died on Everest? No, no, oh, God, no. That have okay. lived in... <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole mountain's actually just dead bodies. <laughs> That's okay. what they call the death zone, right? And, and they, free, they freeze over and just become part of the circle yeah. of life. <laughs> I, my, my guess would be uh, 10,000. Say 10,000 people? Uh, I'm going to say 17. Okay, so, so these people, they're, like, they're paying $30,000, $60,000 to climb Mount Everest to become part of this very elite group of people that only... 6,000 people in history have climbed this mountain. Uh, right. Of that 6,000, 300 have died. So that's pretty bad odds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, a, I'm not going to risk my life like that because yeah. I'm just not that, I don't need that credential, right, on my resume. And B, it's just a uh, bad thing to do on that mountain now because it's just exhausting the, the limitations of what those Sherpas can do and make it makes everybody un- unsafe. Yeah. It's not, yeah. In, in, there are uh, plenty of other mountains in the world. Yeah. Thirdly, yeah. I earlier today, Went on Instagram, typed in Mount Everest, saw a video of what it looks like up there. Very pretty. And also, I didn't die. So, <laughs> to all of you uh, people out there with $30,000 to waste. <laughs> Actually, you would make it more lifelike. I can choke you next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that costs money, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and we've got some uh, good news here to finish up the segment. Uh, most weeks, I talk about some looming crisis. So, well, it looks like we're making progress towards combating one of the crises I'm most worried about. So we talked earlier about the greening disease and the antibiotic resistance. It turns out British scientists have made a breakthrough on a compound that can kill antibiotic-resistant superbugs. It's being tested now, but it looks uh, promising. Hey, there you uh, go. Uh, yeah. Is it uh, bleach? <laughs> drink it. <laughs> Windex? <laughs> what was that? Was it, was it church people bomb. telling you to drink bleach? Was that what it was? Who? Did, uh, wait, did you not see the story? There was some story where there, I think there was a preacher like telling people to drink bleach to cure their diseases or something like that. Oh. Yeah. A, everything is there. Used to there was a king that would eat uh, a page of the Bible every day, <laughs> and uh, he died of constipation. So. Uh, yeah, well, he got a fiber. <laughs> yep. yep. But wait, so Bo, do you have anything you want to talk about? Well, I do want to say that bleach is, if you are in a situation of survival, bleach is a good disinfectant for water. So, mm, but you got to use like ten to one or something like that. Yeah, you you it's, it's a very dilute, but you. In the in Vietnam War, you would get bleach tablets, and that's how you disinfect water. I think I, I got a uh, little bleach tablets for my camping trip or whatever. I'm yep. sure it was diluted, but um, yep, you get now I use like usually like iodine. Yeah, that's probably yeah. better. I think it's probably iodine, not bleach. While I'm, thinking, <laughs> while I'm thinking about it, okay, all right, and that's the hot take news for all of us here at News Center Four. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. We'll be right back after this. All right, guys. Welcome to the captain's radio room. First officer, Bo reporting. Science officer, Lance, on deck. 
All right, guys. So in the Captain's Red Room, like normal, we always talk about some sort of a deep philosophy issue or personal characteristic that we can hopefully take away and learn from, right? So for this week, I've got an interesting topic for you. I think Bo's going to love this one, man. He's going to eat this one all up, okay? So I came across this article, some dude named Fisher, who is known for his unique ideas towards nuclear deterrence. Hey, this is my lick. Ah, Here you go, man. So he published this article back in uh, 1981. Right, discussing the importance on how to properly deal with nuclear arms and deter it. So the idea he came up with was he suggested implanting the nuclear launch codes in a volunteer. Oh, yeah, I've heard the story. Therefore, yeah. if the President of the United States wants to activate the nuclear weapon, he would be required to kill the volunteer to retrieve the codes. Right? He even went a step further and suggested how this could happen. Right? So you put the codes in a little capsule, implant it right next to the volunteer's heart, Right, the volunteer would then carry around a big butcher uh, knife, <laughs> and where the president was. So, if the president wanted to fire the nuclear weapons, the only way he could do so would be for him, with his own fist or his own hands, kill another human being with that butcher's knife. Okay. Right, and uh, the president would look the guy in the eye or a girl in the eye and say, "You know, dude, I'm sorry, but tens of millions must die." This is uh, the president from California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So bro. radical, <laughs> bro. Got to kill you, bro. And, th- and this <laughs> way, this way, he has to look someone in the eye and realize what death is, what innocent death is like. Right? And that hopefully really brings it home. Mm-hmm. So, what do you all think about that? I love this idea. Uh, so I think it kind of goes to what is it? It's the the two train tracks, right? And then there's like the fat man that you have to push on the train to save the family, mm-hmm. and then you're less willing to push the fat man if you actually have to look him in the eye. Than if you were to push like a button, push a button or something like that. Except it's it's more like you have to push the fat man onto the train tracks in order to derail the train <laughs> and, yeah. kill, and kill all the people on the train. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's kind of like a question of like, okay, would you make the hard choice if you made it harder on the person making the mm-hmm. choice, right? Mm-hmm. So like you know, in the case of the the train going towards the family, right? You would kind of sit there and do your calculus and be like, well. Let's Got to push a fat man on the train. Right? Oh yeah, I kill one guy to save ten all day. Yeah, but if what? you had to look him in the eye, yeah. if you if you had to look him in the it's eye and be baby. like, "I'm killing you," you know, <laughs> then you might not do it. And I, not me. Maybe that's the thing with the. Mm-mm. And oh, plus, depends. who would volunteer to do well, that? It depends on how as well how yeah. you kill. Yeah. If you just had you know, to be like, if you had a gun, shoot him in the head. Okay, that's one case. But the butcher's knife, and you got to hack hack away to get to the person's heart and put your hand in this bloody bloody. Yeah, torso it's pretty nasty <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so and i feel like it's so much shape because that's probably pretty tough yeah to go through the old uh sternum or yep. whatever so i don't think i could like eat my arm off or whatever like say i got mm. bit by a zombie right and then mm. you gotta you gotta uh, you could i think you could <sighs> i really don't think i could i could kill you for sure but like if i had to kill okay. me <laughs> yeah. like uh, so like i've seen these movies where you know you get bit by a zombie on your hand and then you got to cut your arm off at the elbow yeah. evil dead to, to survive and i'm just like I don't know that I could physically cut my own arm. Like I could, pro- I could let you do it. I'd pass out or whatever. But I, I could authorize you to do it and then just deal with it. And I could cut your arm off. I cut your head off. But like I don't think I could do my own. Arm. <laughs> He's just a little too <laughs> eager about this whole thing here, man. Nah, I mean it's it's fine. Well, what about the uh, 127 hour dude, the guy who went hiking by himself? The movie played by James Franco and won him an award. Yeah, like yeah. you do that. That that's where he had to chop off his own what? Yep, hand with a little little tiny knife. Yeah. Um, I tell you so. Maybe on the the thing is though, by the time I was so desperate that I feel like I had to do it, I might be too physically weak to do it. But you might um, be too delirious to think 
think it through, so maybe you could do it. I'm not sure that helps or hurts the ability to go do that because you're not thinking straight anymore. So it's like, well, I guess I got to do that. Then I guess, yeah, okay. I think there's probably you're not in the, you're not in the same mental state that I think you would be if you were that desperate. Yeah, I mean, you know? I, I right w- now you're like looking at it like I really like this arm. Hopefully, yeah. I don't lose the right one. <laughs> <laughs> so the I think there's maybe a as high as ten percent chance I could cut my own arm off. I think I might just die. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. It's just something innate about that, like asking yourself to hurt yourself. I mean, to, I mean, but yeah. if the alternative is dying, like you for sure should do it. Yeah. But I mean, I like, I really, you, you would never think like you could walk out there and just eat a lizard, right? I feel like I'm more confident I could eat a lizard whole. I feel like I could eat a live cat before I could cut my own arm off. Okay. You, okay. Well, would you rather? <laughs> yeah. Would you rather eat a live cat or a cake a or cat. cut your or cut your arm, own arm off? <laughs> well, I think anyone would eat like. Well, I don't want to say anyone would like to eat a live cat, but I would think most people would be like. Yeah. Live cat. I think most people in Asia would be like, yeah, live cat for sure. <laughs> well, but it's it's live. Though. Delicacy. It's, it's like, I don't it's like know. sushi. Okay, so I, I thought that was more complex. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so the thing, back to the, the main question about action. So the, the thing with the nuclear bomb is is that you're about to cause tens of thousands of deaths. So mm-hmm. then if you're not willing to, it's like um back to Game of Thrones. If you're not willing to do the execution yourself, then you shouldn't order it yeah you just butchered Ned Stark's <laughs> then line you man. say it then I'll look it up make <laughs> okay. sure I got it right yeah so so I um I mean I so in this whole philosophy premise the first premise you gotta buy into the first thing you gotta buy into is that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few right if I'm at the point where I need to launch nuclear codes to decimate our enemy it's worth it because they're that bad of an enemy or I'm, I'm, at, I'm at that big of a risk or they may end up killing millions. So me killing one person is worth it in order to save millions of my people. Yep. So, so that, that's the first thing the, you know, the ends justify the means. The, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so do we all buy into that? I'm not sure. Like where does morality play into that? Where like in that scenario? Yeah. But you know, also let's also note that historically the only country that's ever used uh, nuclear bombs in war is the United States. And I personally don't think it was justified. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can say it is a, a valid moral argument that murder, any murder is wrong. And so, uh, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you, if you were in that case, you wouldn't need the man to drop the nuclear bomb. You just wouldn't do it because that's murder, right? The Go ma- ahead, Lance. Do, do it in a full uh, Ned Stark uh, voice, please. All right. So the argument that Mr. Fisher is making that the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. That sounds okay. more like a little bit of a William Wallace thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, Bo. Okay. No, spoiler alert, but Ned went around so long I got his <laughs> voice memorized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm more thinking I'll do like the Giants Bane or something. Um, the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Yeah. Go, All right, Johnny. All right, Since we're all doing Ned Stark. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> Let it go. The show's over, man. Aye, laddie. The man who passes a sentence should swing the sword. Yeah? yeah. yeah. That's pretty close. Right. You slapped the base. So I will say that, like, stabbing the guy in the heart is kind of, you're going to run into collateral issues of, like, uh, passing out. <laughs> I think there's logistics issues more than actual morality issues in that I more go to. Yeah, like killing a guy, like shooting him in the head or whatever. Yeah, like I'm. I think that the you having to kill somebody kind of does drive home 
that of course it also kind of um but the enemy's not doing this so i feel like it almost has to be like a universal um uh thing that everybody has to abide by because if the let's say the russians or north korea okay launches something at us they're like mr president they've launched the nuclears at us we need to launch nuclears back at them i never thought that why then you ask our president to chop chop into somebody yeah Uh, well i think that's but why i think that's the the threshold they want though right they don't want to be something like oh you know uh yeah brazil elected someone we don't like nuclear bomb them you know yeah or more like uh argentina yeah argentina right venezuela 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 let's go back to that (laughs) (laughs) but so i think the i think the idea for that morality is that you know, if they are launching nuclear, we're like, you know, oh crap, this is a real desperate time. Yeah. You need to die. So you know? okay, well, let's uh, volunteer. Exa- let's examine know? that since we're since we're a show where we talk. I'm not convinced that if there are missiles coming at us or whatever, that the thing to do is to launch missiles back. And I agree. I agree. So when is the time to launch nuclear at somebody? Mm, next to never. <laughs> so what's that next to never? What is the next to never? What is that circum situation where? You would be justified or you will feel, I mean, you're never comfortable, but you feel like it is the necessary thing to do, launch nuclear weapons at this person. Well, it would, so. What would need to happen? Yeah, I think you would, it would be depending on what your target is, right? So classically, the only two places that have been bombed is Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And they weren't places of like. um, They weren't even like military bases or anything. Yeah, so they weren't like places of like military uh, uh, industry and stuff like that. Right. And so if. If you were to take out large military industrial complex of another nation, uh, let's say they are launching stuff at you and you want to take out large portions of their military all at once, I would say that would be probably a tactical use of a nuclear weapon. But I think that because the impact zone is so wide, I would imagine, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. So it might be like, okay, the majority of this uh, impact area will be their uh, military industrial base, but... A certain number will be civilians, folks who just happen to be there, kind of stuff. So, yeah. and how much should you be comfortable with on that? And the fallout. I mean, you should use yeah. a big bomb. Yeah. Like, well, we one either use a small nuke or a big regular bomb. Like, I don't get why it has to be in it because a regular bomb would just mess everything up and won't so- soil the earth for decades to come. Could, could you imagine yeah. Trump like looking through the uh, a la carte menu for uh, <laughs> for bombs? Yeah. yeah, well, he... Uh, er- ah, that one's too big. Let's do something smaller. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I need something as small as my hands. You've had two years to get your Trump impression. It's better than mine. That's all. <laughs> well, no, uh, so he they did launch the mother of all bombs, if you remember that. Right, way remember back that. When, but I don't think he knew about that. He was just happy that it happened. <laughs> so, but I think, I probably, I bet after that, he was like, so uh, what kind of bombs do we have? And then probably he knows i'm sure at this point yeah. <laughs> uh, mother of all bombs you know i watched a c-span uh, uh program where uh this one lady she called in it was like the c-span call-in show right mm-hmm. and this one lady called in and she was complaining about she was like what is it with these bombs and now they have mothers <laughs> <laughs> just, and it was uh, oh oh american <laughs> public education system <laughs> Yeah, you're good for some stuff, and and you're you're bad for some other stuff, which leads to good content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Johnny, what do you think? Should uh, do you think it's uh, this guy had a point? 
one. I think he did. I think it's a very good point. I mean, it's very good, but also it kind of like it biases towards a psychopathic president. <laughs> like, which you, I think you kind of have to be, right? Like, what if you look up and your president's cheesing while he's cutting this guy up? You're like, ooh, now we know that he's what he's cheesing. He's like, he's, he's real happy cutting this guy open. Yeah, he's, oh, we just like the <laughs> Joker. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's an information. Uh, we but I think you're right, boy. I think for a president to get to the point where he's willing to use nuclear codes. It's yeah. There's uh, you you must have been tipped over to a certain level to get yeah. to the point. But but then that also means that if you allow the president to to launch the codes as soon as he does and does the butchering, you got to remove that guy from office or a girl from office, right? Because at that point, because they're dead. Is no, because they're because the people will see them as being crazy. Yeah, that's too crazy. The fact that you're willing to butcher into somebody. And get that get those coats. You can't be the same after that. But you've got but, but, you got PTSD. You've got something going on with you now that yeah, you can't think straight anymore. That's the thing, though, right? So I, I'm that, not sure. I, I think I'm we got to move on to the next one. Yeah. But 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 the thing that is understated about every president time since, for Pence. since for <laughs> every president since forever is that they are all mass murderers. They're like Mario mass murderers in that like they kill enemies or whatever. But there has not been a president that I can think of that hasn't killed minimum. A thousand people in one way, shape, or form, and it's just like you're doing. You sure sh- about that? No, but I would say it's very likely that over eighty percent of presidents have killed a thousand people. Garfield, uh, <laughs> he's killed all lasagnas, but I'm not sure if he's killing any. So, so any president from in wartime has ordered the person, not the cat. Right? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll kill John. Any person, any president from wartime, and I think we've had lots of wars, you know, that span decades, yep. has ordered the deaths of tens of thousands of people. And then even there, there's policy decisions you make where people die too. Yeah, drones and whatnot. Well, I mean, I mean, also yeah. like a, I don't know, denying people health care, you could say is killing them or causing unnecessary deaths, deaths that you could have prevented or whatever. So, like, yeah. depending on how you how you calculate it. So once you have that pile of power, you you cause lots of deaths. Yeah, but I don't think that it almost seems like that that is kind of I don't want to say par for the course, right? No, I that's mean, my point. Yeah, is so that president's a mass murderer? Yeah, if you, yeah, president of the United States or president of or some high leader of another country, you're going to kill thousands of people yeah. in some other way, shape, or form. Yeah, once you, I mean, so you kind of have to be. I don't know if you kind of have to be cognizant of that fact if you want that leadership position. Be like, so you should. Yeah. I want to digress. That's here. why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying. You know. A president m- may have to be a psychopath by job function, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just think it's interesting that, like, in this scenario, w- w- the thing that people are so freaked out by is the president killing one guy by hand versus 10,000 by button a, a thousand miles away. It's like, like uh, I believe Stalin said that um, one person dying is a tragedy, a million dying is a statistic. And like this discussion, the tone of it proved it. <laughs> yep. You think uh, Bo mentioned logistics for a second? Like, are you picturing the president doing this like Dexter style? No, it's more of like pretty <laughs> super precise. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm more thinking of like so. The 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 thought experiment is more of you, in in a moral sense that it, you have a high moral bar for which you launch nuclear weapons, right? You should, yeah. yeah. And so to maintain that moral bar is you have to take someone's life. But I'm thinking of the actual. We're being, you know, military. There's missiles flying in America, right? Mm-hmm. New York's gone or something like that. And the president's like, "I have to launch back." Oh, where are you? Come back here! You know, stab, stab, stab. <laughs> I seven year old man. He's like fumbling around with this thing, and he's like, Ugh. "The volunteer's running away, yep. changes mind." No, and then no. like finally, I have the code: one, two, three, four. Yeah, it's all stained. Yep. Um. Also, like. 
I'm very against nuclear weapons in general. So like we talked earlier about like the five things I think are going to destroy the planet or whatever. Nuclear weapons is up there. This, this nuclear winter thing, the bar for what causes nuclear winter is a lot lower than people recognize. Yeah. So this show has discussed two of, on your list so far, <laughs> and those have been rational. Mm-hmm. I imagine you say the other eight out of your ten are like irrational. No, no, no it's all regular stuff. Ghosts? Like, zombies? <laughs> Nobody's scared of ghosts. Ten-foot spiders. So uh, off the top of my head. That would be scary. Yes, that would be terrible. Well, that comes after the nuclear fallout. <laughs> Clowns. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's um, climate change is a, is is a thing. Nuclear winter, uh, the bees dying, uh, the superbug from the antibiotic resistant deals, and um, let's go with uh, I guess gen- generic pandemic. Probably the my top five things I think will okay. end the world. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh, and of course race war. <laughs> well, that's all I got for the Captain's Ready Room, guys. We just wanted to discuss a little bit about how far we wanted to go to serve the greater good. And it sounds like all of us in this room are willing to go the distance. Well, I don't know if we're willing to go the distance, but I would think that if you're in that position that you would know that that is part of it. Well, yeah. I think it's a good make it more real because I think uh, like the whole purpose behind a drone war or whatever is that you can kill your enemies without putting your soldiers at risk. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, we kind of use them a lot more. Mm-hmm. So making the consequences for your military actions a little bit more real, I think uh, like a speed bump to it, basically. Yeah, some guy is a speed bump. Okay. <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, thanks for joining us in the Captain's Radio Room. Up next, Pop Culture. Transfer of data is complete. Hey, welcome back to the Hotel Show. I'm Lance. <laughs> I am still Johnny. And uh, I'm Bo. All right, so we're going to get into our world-famous pop culture segment where we talk about everything that we're experiencing in the world of media. So let's get things started off with Big Homie Johnny. What are you reading, watching, listening to, and or experiencing? <laughs> well, that's funny. You said reading. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. You read comics. Like, on the whole, you probably read more than the average American. Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So let's start You've off. You've got 10 books going. Yeah. You just yeah. don't ever finish it. <laughs> and movies with subtitles. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that more so, maybe. So let's start off with my Netflix, as always, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Grylls. I've been a fan of him ever since he came out with his first show a long time ago. Oh, he did the interactive thing? The interactive uh, thing. It's out. That was funny. It's out? It's been out. I did that a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, no. You versus Wild. <laughs> so as you go on these. Okay, games, so explain what it is. It. Yeah, so it's interactive Netflix show, choose your own adventure type, right? So you start the adventure out, and you know he Dot gets, <laughs> <laughs> so he gets dropped off, let's say the uh, Amazon jungle or something. And you've got to go get to the destination. So along the way, you're you posed with questions: Hey, should I go left through the marshes, or should I go right and battle the uh, the high bushes or something? You know, so you make your choices along the way. Uh, what what? what gear or gadget to bring along with you should i bring the the fire starter or the machete for instance so stuff like that and, and it has an impact later on in the show mm-hmm. so it's funny there's a couple of times my favorite was like he's low on food so should i eat um all these little tiny ants enough to feed myself or should i eat this, this giant worm that looks super like plump and like <laughs> oh, gushy or whatever obviously i chose the worm and his response was like, mm, "Of course you chose this one, didn't you?" <laughs> you know, and you see him biting into it, and like it spurts out like, like all this goo. Like I'm like, oh, so gross. Yeah, but those shows like that, so you gotta help him choose. And a lot of times, you actually fail. A lot of times, you, you does choose. He, does he die? 
No, it just says, oh, no, I, I can't get past this thing now. Oh, okay. I'm done for, you know? And then you're allowed to go back to the previous point to make a different decision. So, a uh, couple questions. Was this a entertaining experience? Entertaining and short. So, it's not like you're committed to like more than half an hour. You're, you're like in 15-minute segments each. Each episode. Okay, so now uh, I would do. I would like to do this in a group because yeah. doing it by myself, it was. I was like, uh, yeah, okay. We well, I haven't seen it yet, so um, have me over. I'll or yeah. I guess come over. There was there was one funny one, and it wasn't the same. Might have been the same. It only did one episode, but there's one scene where he comes, he goes up the river and stuff like that. I was like, okay, go up the river, don't go through the bushes. And he goes, he goes, oh. Look at this, an alligator, you know, and it was like, I looked like a stuffed animal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had the slingshot and I shot the alligator and it, it kind of like, it yeah, I did on. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So you're smiling. So Bo, do you find this thing to be an entertaining experience? Uh, yeah, I would say it's entertaining, but the thing though is, um, I started reading it and then I, all these articles kind of came up how Bear Grylls wasn't an actual survivalist and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was a, um, survival entertainment. And so then you kind of watch. That's it. fine. He's got yeah. the skills. I mean, it's uh, it's I'll, fine, I'll but it's it. not. You know, sometimes you think like Bear Grylls is mainly man, and he's you know he's tougher he's, than me. He's yeah, he's a tough guy. He ate that worm. Yeah. I wouldn't eat that worm. <laughs> Just okay. to say, if you you know he there are other Survivor shows that are like this is what you'd actually do. I'd rather have an entertaining person yeah. than a real dude like uh, like Rick Ross. He's a gangster rapper who was a cop. I'd much rather he uh, and like and all these real gangster rappers are out here getting shot. So I'd rather have a fake gangster rapper who's around longer to give me more music yep. than a real one who's out here uh, getting beat out of his draws. So, um, okay, so one, this particular thing was entertaining. Two, are we excited about this interactive show as a general medium or yes. is it a flash in the pan? I think, yes, I'm excited, but it needs to be, um, for some reason, it doesn't work on my Apple TV. And I have the latest generation Apple TV. It's, you've got to use it on your iPad or some sort of device that can, you can click through. I feel like, oh, I, then I try to watch Bandersnatch on the Apple TV because my Apple TV is old. Mine mine didn't work. Ah. Yeah. Well, that's so. why. Hmm, okay. So anyway, so I, and then. Uh, it worked on a Roku. Hmm. FYI. So keeping with Netflix for quick, and there's two upcoming movies. Actually, one just dropped very recently that I'm excited to go watch, which is Always Be My Maybe. So this is a movie. The story goes, a pair of childhood friends end up falling for each other when they grow up. And it is starring uh, Ali Wong. Lover. Comedian, right? Randall Park. Love him. Love that guy. Um, the dad from, uh, I was going to say Asian-ish, uh, from, <laughs> from Fresh Off the Boat. <laughs> and also uh, uh, co-stars, uh, folks like Daniel Day Kim. Oh, yeah. We like him, too. Yeah, from Hawaii Five-0. And uh, there's a special guest appearance. I'm not sure if I should mention it. It's, he's in the trailer. Then it's not. Then no. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's finish the trailer. Keanu Reeves. Ooh, no. you so. should have a secret. <laughs> 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 Who identifies as a Pacific Islander? He identifies as a person of color. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So like that blew my mind. Okay. He's a Hawaiian, I guess. And uh, so in the other movie, I'm so excited for. I guess for the, it. the catch there being is that it's a romantic comedy with yeah, a almost romantic. all Asian cast. All so. Asian cast, and yeah. it looks funny. So. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. No, just just dropped. I think today actually. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, how much uh more likely the fact that it's all Asian does that make you want to watch it a little bit more or less uh, neutral? Uh, just slightly more, not okay. too much more. But uh, again, I, I like those actors and actresses. So, mm. so I was sold on that front. Okay. It is an all star uh, Asian actors cast. Yeah, right. So yeah. I'm excited that it exists. So I'm yeah. going to watch it to you know support the cause. There you go. Fist up. <laughs> The uh, the trailer just dropped for the uh, another upcoming Netflix movie called I Am Mother. So in this, oh. 
Sí, Johnny sent me an email about this one. And is him, that a Netflix? Oh, man, I thought that was coming out in theaters. That was getting... I think it's a Netflix movie. So the, the, the premise goes, a teenage girl is raised underground by a kindly robot named Mother, designed to repopulate the Earth following the extinction, extinction of humankind. The little girl and a robot? <laughs> <laughs> but their unique bond is threatened when an inexplicable stranger arrives with alarming news. And that uh, person that arrives is played by uh, Hilary Swank. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she's other... like, she's like, I have alarming news. You can't bang robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least but, not make babies. <laughs> but you can bang trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guess you gotta be careful. Oh. Yep. <laughs> so it looks like a sci-fi thriller. So uh, I'm excited for this project. And uh, why does the action look good? Does the acting look good? Is it the special effects look good? Like, what is the hook that that got you? Uh, yeah. The, the robot love... thing looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Robot looks good. The special effects look good. I love sci-fi. Um, the premise is a little thrilling, a little intriguing. What's going to happen out of it? And I like the act, uh, actresses. The yeah. voice of the robot, by the way, is uh, Rose Byrne, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I think I know her. Okay, all right. Yeah, there you go. All right, I'll go to me next, <laughs> and um, probably the main thing I did. Um, I've been hearing for years and years and years about the show Veep. I forget if I talked about it last week or not, but um, I started watching Veep. And uh, it's it's been winning awards. And I heard it was good, but I tried watching season one and I didn't like it. So what I did do was watched the final season because it was going off the air. So I was like, okay, well let me just watch it. You know, it's iconic television. It's won all these Emmys. And then I watched the I think the last the first episode of the last season, and it was some of the best TV I've ever seen in my life. That show. Uh, so here's what I think happened, right? So I finished the eighth season or the sixth season of the last season of Veep. I watched all the episodes and I loved it more than I've loved TV in a long time. It's great. Um, and so then I went back and watched. Now I'm watching the first season starting from the beginning and it's way worse. Still, <laughs> still very good. So I guess they really caught their footing along the way. And like, I think that um, one, they're also doing a lot of callbacks in the final season that are from the first season. So I would actually recommend if you haven't seen veep yet to start with the last season because it's the best and you'll really get like uh you'll love it and then you can go back and watch the first season you'll spoilers or whatever but you'll be fine and uh yeah so watch veep veep's great have you seen veep you guys i've seen a couple episodes in the first season i I tried getting into it but i think at that point there were so many other good shows it's kind of hard to find the time for that so so i'm really hoping that around um season two or three that it really like catches its uh win because that season eight man it was (laughs) <laughs> especially given like how crazy things are it was it was just great it was so funny and really well crafted like you could tell that they had really you know like honed it over time so it's great yeah. was it similar to a uh, Seinfeld type humor um or like yeah um, probably it's probably more science it's not it's not um 30 rock or Kimmy Schmidt where it's like joke 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 oh, or the one show I don't like um what about rest Kirby Enthusiasm no oh. no nah, nah, it's more Kirby, one Kirby enthusiasm is hilarious, but it's not. Uh, Kirby is really um, like, it's like dry. Cringe, it's like cringe humor. Like, ah. It, well, okay, so it's kind of like Curb in that the main character is not supposed to be likable, but it's not like Curb in that it's it's not very dry comedy. It's like it's jokes. Curb is a lot of like mm, he's in a weird situation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But this one is it's the 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 entertaining part is how well crafted the jokes are. And witty that people are, and also dumb. <laughs> They're a weird combination of witty and dumb at the same time. And then also, it kind of hits close to home too, because it's like you know, incompetent government. Yeah, that's good. All right, Bo, what you got? Uh, so I haven't been doing much new things lately. Uh, I did get. Um, let's see, I got a new book, and I, I'm trying to go through the list slowly. Um, 
and it's but this is it's not entertainment it's the paradox of healthcare but so i guess that's what is that it's a book written 2000 i think 12 <laughs> about the healthcare system but uh, uh it's are you enjoy so what what is your goal reading this book and what is this book about uh well the 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 goal is just so i could i guess learn more i'm trying to start where i could learn about i guess the healthcare system then read um bitter pill by um i'll get you the guy's name that book's a good healthcare book, or yeah. at least it really opened my eyes to the American healthcare system. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I started reading that book a little bit, uh, pretty dry. I don't know if I'll so boring these things, you know? Uh, so, uh, for entertainment, it's called America's bitter pill, money, politics, backroom deals, and the fight to fix our broken healthcare system by Stephen Brill. Stephen Brill. I've read that and I recommend it. Ah, well, uh, so maybe I should have got that book. <laughs> uh, so the other thing is I've been getting into poetry. Oh, you know, and little Walt Whitman. Little Walt Whitman. Uh, and so I, I got this uh, small book. It's not very long. Uh, it's about a couple hours. And it's ca- called Milk and Honey by Rupi, I think, Cower. I don't know. Rupi Cower. What kind of poetry is, is it? It's, okay, so it's the thing's Milk and Honey, and it got these great reviews, and it's supposed to be kind of like a, about like romance and stuff like that. And uh, I, I would say that um, it's... It's um, I don't want to say it's hard listening, but I want to say that it's very raw female experience poetry. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and how does it make you feel? Like you know, poetry evokes a certain emotion from you. So you're listening to it. Besides being hard to listen to, or, or you know, what's the emotional reaction? Not, you not have? for everybody. How I'll say that. Does it rhyme? No, it's, then it's not poetry. Yeah, screw that. No, but but, but how do you feel? Are you like, you're listening to it. Do you feel sad? Do you feel happy? Do you feel excited? Do you feel bored? Do you feel what? Well, like, I what's mean, what's your I, emotional response to this it, poetry? It's more of like, really? Oh, that's fucked up. You know, oh. but that's effed up. I should say. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. We got the, so okay. So it's is it enlightening then as to what the female experience is, and then you're like, wow, this is how uh, people. I didn't realize this is what they're going through. That type of thing. Um, yeah, I guess it was. It was kind of like that. Like, um. I don't know if it was something like um, maybe this female experience is not is more I don't I want to say more of a normal experience than I would have thought, you know. Um, but I don't. So I don't really know it's like it's, it's good something. then. I, I would it's say good if, for you to read. It's a you know it's like two and a half hours or something like that. It's you know I listened to it while I was working out one day and I was like, oh okay, yeah, nothing gets me ready for <laughs> to, get to go pump iron. Yeah, exactly. Then, then hardcore non-rhyming feminist poetry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I, I'm going to say um, I'll recommend it to. Um, I don't even know who I'd recommend this to. I don't even know if I can. Recommend Guys, this. probably it sounds like it. So, so do you think that you understand women a little bit more now? No, okay. not at all. Um, but is that the goal? How did you come across this? Uh, I just wanted to read some poetry, and you know, I was going to try to get like you what Google Frost. poets. Yeah, I did. I Google poets, and I, I found out. I was like, okay, who's the latest? Uh, who's the who's hot right now? Who's a hot poet? I want to get a hot poet. Is there a Billboard 100 poets? Well, so that's <laughs> Walt, I, Walt Whitman's still on the charts. <laughs> okay, so, so I so, wanted to find one of these uh, rupee yeah. um, uh, poems, and so here's a short one. <clears throat> I, I won't do a girl voice. Excuse me. Okay, this is a uh, "Women of Color" by Rupi Quar. Our backs tell stories. No books have the spine to carry. Thank you. Ah, uh, there's Rupi Quar. <laughs> So yeah, uh, and you know, so the way I usually pick my books is uh, if it's sci-fi books, I'll usually go to Hugo Awards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you know, if you read sci-fi books, you might be re- re- 
you might be aware of the Hugo Awards. And I've I've had great success picking books from the Hugo Awards. Uh, and I tried to do something similar with poetry. And she had uh, a lot of good reviews. And she had won some awards recently with her book, Milk and Honey. And so I decided to check it out. I'd say she's... You, there was another poet that I was really trying to... F- I think I was really trying to find. And she, she did a poem. It's, I think it's called the, the, hist- the History of All of Us, Including You and Me. I think that's what it is. It was like on Radio title. Lab. It's it's a really good poem. So, okay. So here's another Rupi Kaur poem. Okay. And I want to apologize to all the women I have called pretty before I've called them intelligent or brave. I am sorry I made it sound as though something as simple as what you're born with is the most you have to be proud of. When your spirit has crushed mountains, from now on. I will say things like you are resilient or you are extraordinary, not because I don't think you're pretty, but because you are so much more than that. You know what? But I found the problem. Yeah. You listen, I, you I think that's a, on milk and honey. This is to an audio book, right? Yeah. But, but it's actually her saying it. Nah, I think you need to read it. Okay. I think listening mm. to poet, I think, uh, I think you need to read it. That's the problem. Okay. Well, so that's not but, the, but hearing that's not the, the right heavy voice. Poem. Hearing, hearing it from the, a voice, a female voice, might be powerful too. Yeah. Mm, it, I, 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 <laughs> so that's not that's not like the stuff that's like, oh, okay. <laughs> she's she's like my bul- my vulva. <laughs> no, no. Okay, so okay, so I will tell you this this the the first poem that she talks about is how her uh, her dad molested her growing oh. up. So that's <laughs> and there's it's sure it relatively graphic. So yeah. she's like. I don't even want to repeat it because I can't. <laughs> I like Why are you laughing? <laughs> we should be laughing. Like, well, I, I should be laughing, but you know, you just because he's it laughing makes you how so awkward it is. Yeah, how it's awkward it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think so, they were it. I was like, I was like, oh, oh, milk and honey. Okay. So she goes into that, and then she talks about how she is gets with this guy or something like that, and then, uh, you know, I think they're all they're together only just for sex or something like that, and she talks about that graphically. Yeah, okay. And then she goes and she talks about how her her follow on lovers, um, are are only to like make the first guy jealous or something. So, yeah. So that's real. I think it's good. But that, yeah. That's what it. That's yeah, what the it opens her up to no perspective. That's what you want, right? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, the, the same premise behind novels. Yeah. I I'd say give it a listen. Um, it some parts may make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. if they if you like me, you know. But I would say, push through it. Go for it. I might read it though. I feel like I feel like you got to read it. All right, Johnny, got anything yeah. else? Um, I've been enjoying the uh, return of the 100 on the CW. There, mm-hmm. uh, that show continues to take risk, which is what I appreciate most about that show. Um, so yeah, definitely go check that out. And also, I saw a uh, little movie called "The uh, Biggest Little Farm." It's a documentary about uh, how this couple moved out of the city and started their own farm, but the way in which they started and what they grew on there was such um, a uh, personal story. It was really cool. It was really interesting. Where you know, most farms are, you know, one type of um, plant, one type of fruit, or one type of thing, right? Their or whole or two, I think. I think you gotta like a friend of mine, his family. Oh yeah, owns depending a, on the seasons, yeah. back and forth and stuff. So the one way they the way they did their farm though was like diversify as much as possible. So they had like all kinds of plants, all kinds of animals, and that is a lot to maintain. If you're you know you have to be mastery over so many different diverse species of of uh, of uh, life. Um, and but the circle of life really pays off, you know, once you really cultivate the whole thing. So because they had kept having problems with this thing, so I saw this. Oh, we'll, we'll introduce this, 
and then that would have a problem. Oh, so how do we do that? Well, we introduce this. You know, say the documentary. So it's kind of like a yes, yeah, yeah. documentary. I think I so. I read a book like that when I was a kid. It was a woman she swallowed a fly, and then to eat the fly she swallowed a spider. Mm. <laughs> That's what right. it sounded like. Uh, what what made you watch that? Oh, it was playing at the uh, local uh, indie theater, so that oh. yeah, sounded interesting. So okay. plus support the local indie theaters. I'm a big big fan of local indie theaters. Okay, and then uh, I guess last thing here. Uh, so I heard that Whitney Houston is going on concert boo. and putting out new music. One, don't boo her; she's queen. Right. Uh, Wait, and is she, she's dead right? for sure. Okay, she's going. Well, I know where you're going with this. She's thing. coming out with a uh, one of these hologram concerts. And uh, well, I she's think she's not coming over the hologram. Well, her 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 estate, I guess, yeah. is putting out a Whitney Houston hologram concert, and I uh, I think I'm on board for it. So what? What, are, what are you guys thoughts on no, the hologram concert? No, absolutely not. I would go see a Michael Jackson hologram. Like I didn't see him while he was alive, and if you give me a chance to go see Michael Jackson perform, oh wait, he's bad now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd go see a dancing <laughs> Velociraptor. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Right? Yeah, it's a movie. Like it's a, it's a movie. It's a, it's a it's basically going to see a musical. Like you pay to go see a movie, it's fake. Jurassic Park. This feels weird. You're um, you're making a dead person do moves and acts and sing and such. Like, so you can only watch a movie until all the actors are alive. But but you kind of screwed both ways. Where like, if the holograms are pure reenactments of what they've done in real life, then like you know I'm just gonna watch them on the when they really did do it. But if you're reprogramming programming a hologram to do. Uh, movements and sing like the uh, the the live person. It just feels like you're treading on a memory there, and I I'm not comfortable with that. Mm. I mean, like if the person, so like if they did a Prince show, because Prince was was like directly, do not hologram me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a Jehovah Witness, and yeah. all that stuff is bad. Do yeah. not do that to me when I die. They still yeah. did, which is bad. Right. But like I would not go see Prince because Prince was against yeah. it. But if the person, but imagine that's us. Like we die, and then there's a hologram of us and. There's like, a hog awesome. Yeah, right? Immortal, but, immortalize me. But, but you, like, have, you two have my permission to Junto show hologram me in, into right. perpetuity. Well, my, <laughs> my hologram of Lance would be uh, him in the tree giving it gonorrhea. <laughs> Are you cool with it now? Sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's part of my like, brand. You know, yeah. so, but that, that's like <laughs> They're not treading on Whitney Houston's memory, right? Nah. What she did was dance and sing, right? I don't think she danced that much. But yeah, I think, I think they're going to you know like be kind to her. Yeah. Uh, yeah while uh, making tons of money off of her. I'm sure she would be happy that her family is getting rich off her. Well, at least the one she likes, anyway. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, all that aside, I think it will be entertaining. Do you think it'd be entertaining? Like if you, if it'll I probably drug, entertaining. If I get one, it'd be entertaining. It'll probably be entertaining. Okay. But you, you, you won't catch me at a hologram theater anytime soon. Yeah, hmm? I would hologram probably be concert. more less okay with it when I'm alive. If I was just really old, I was an entertainer, right? Mm-hmm. I had a prime in my life. I was a great entertainer. Yeah, you are an entertainer. You're okay. entertaining right now. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I get old. I can't entertain anymore. Mm-hmm. And then someone else is taking my likeness and they're they're doing stuff with it. I'd probably care more if I was old and alive than if I was dead. Of course, I wouldn't care at all if I was dead, I guess. But One, it might be kind of dope to see, your, yeah. see yourself perform. Yeah. Like hologram style, like sitting in the audience of yourself. Who gets to do that? Yeah. yeah. Sit there. Hey, you see that, Shunny? Yeah, it's back to see those moves. That's what you got your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that was me before my hip replacement. <laughs> Robo hip. Yep. All right, I think that's good. That's good. All right, thanks again for listening to another intense, really good episode of the Hunto Show. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please leave us five stars on uh, iTunes or I guess the podcast app or on Stitcher or wherever you, or whatever the Android system is. We're there too. So tell a friend. Spread the word about the Junto show. It's popping. Numbers are really going up. We appreciate it. So um, until next time, Johnny. 
I'm Johnny. And I'm Bo. <laughs> and I'm Lance. Thanks for listening. <laughs>